open up to 2 Kings chapter 6. And I want to speak to you today on the subject of victory through supernatural sight. Mm, amen. Victory through supernatural sight. Your Bible would remind us that there is a devil, and it says that the enemy goes prowling around like a roaring lion, always seeking someone to devour. That's, that's what he's wanting to do. He wants to find somebody that he can attack and devour. Uh, Paul also reminds us in Scripture, he says that we should not be unaware of the enemy's schemes and his devices, that we should be living in a reality where we understand that there is an enemy and that he would like to trip us up. And uh, I say that to say because to really have victory in your life, we have to have supernatural sight and recognizing that there is even a battle at all. Now, what I've found over the years is that a lot of people fall on one of two extremes of this. Either they fall on the extreme that there is no devil and everything that happens in life is fate and circumstance and they say things like, well, if it, if it happened, then it must be God's will. We know that that's not true. The Bible even says that it's his will that none should perish but all come to saving grace, but we know that's not a reality. Um, so they would fall on the side of, well, if, it's, if it happens, then it must be God's will and he's in it. And that's not the truth. The Bible also says that the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent take hold of the kingdom, which is the principles of God, by force, which means we are engaged in battle and in conflict when it comes to our faith. And then there's people on the other side that like to assign everything to the devil. You know, you're late for work, and well, you know, the devil just really attacking me this morning. I couldn't find my car keys. I couldn't find my shoe, you know, my kids. Well, you know, it could be a lack of planning on your part. You know, it, 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 you know, and I'm not saying some maybe is trying to get you held up. I don't know. But, but I've often found, you know, well, the devil is attacking my finances. Well, no, he's not attacking your finances. Just take a quick look at your credit card statement. He didn't make you buy that. You chose to buy that. And uh, that's not the devil working. That's you working, right? So we can often fall in one of the two extremes where he's not doing anything or he's doing everything. And it's somewhere really in the middle uh, but I think it is important to know that if we're going to win spiritual battles, we have to recognize that there is a spiritual enemy, and he's working against us. To have spiritual sight, we need to be walking so close to the Lord that we have a sense of what God's doing in our lives and in the world around us. We, we shouldn't live life unaware. Again, we don't want to ignore what the enemy's doing. We don't want to pretend like there's no devil. We don't want to pretend like there's no battle. And when we do that, we don't get victory. Why? Because if there's a battle, it means you have to engage, you have to fight, you have to push, you have to pray. You got to do whatever it is you got to do to gain victory in the battle. Amen? So... For some, I would suggest that maybe there would be those who are walking around with spiritual blinders on, like blindfolds, just kind of mumbling their way through life and just hoping that things work out okay. But how many of you know living for Jesus, you have to be intentional, right? 
We can't walk around spiritually blinded, spiritually unaware. Why? Because if you're blinded and you have blinders on, you're much more likely to run into some unexpected things. But when you can see and you have the gift of sight, you'll be much more able to navigate what's in front of you and what's coming down the road. They often say the first step to freedom is admitting that there is a problem. Sometimes the first step to victory is admitting there is a problem. I don't have victory in that area, and that's not God's will for my life. That's not how he's designed me to live. That's not who I'm meant to be. And this isn't God's assignment for me. And when we can admit that, then we can say, all right, what do I need to do about that? Maybe it's an internal adjustment, or maybe there's an adversary pushing hard against me. If you don't have spiritual sight, you're going to be running into things and stumbling all over things. So what I want to do today is I want to look at 2 Kings chapter 6, and I want to look at the power that comes into your life and the victory in your life when you have supernatural eyesight. And we're going to see this in the life of Elijah. If you're taking notes today, some people like to do that. Here's my first point. I only got three of them, so you can follow along that way. But number one, when you have spiritual sight, you get spiritual foresight. When you have spiritual sight, you get supernatural, excuse me, foresight. Let's read this in 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to begin in verse 8. When the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officials and say, we will mobilize our forces at such and such a place. But immediately, everybody just say immediately. Immediately, Elisha, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel, do not go near that place, for they are planning to mobilize their troops there. So the king of Israel would, would send word to the, to the place to, uh, indicated by the man of God. Time and time again, Elisha warned the king so that he would be on alert there. So what's happening here? The Armenians are sending raiding parties into Israel. They're coming in and they're raiding Israel and they're stealing their stuff and they would come in at night and they would terrorize the people and uh, they would take some of them as slaves and they would take their, their, their spoils or you know, their wealth and their gold and they would run away. And this was happening. These, these raids were kept happening to Israel and it was really all an assignment from the enemy to weaken Israel. Right? So Elijah, the Bible says, is a man of God, walks close with God, and every time the Syrian king would come up with a strategy of how to raid against God's people Israel, the man of God would see it and immediately say, hey, hey, no, no, he, he's coming over on the right. Send some troops there. No, here's his next strategy. He's coming in from over here. You, you need to get some troops over there or you need to withdraw. And he would just prophetically from walking with the Lord know and discern what the enemy was going to do every time. Every time the king would make plans, Elisha had foresight. Foresight to see what the strategy of the enemy was going to do. 
the king of Syria gets pretty frustrated about this situation. The power of having spiritual foresight, knowing what the enemy is going to do before he even does it. How many of you want that? Not being caught off guard, not being surprised, but expecting it, seeing what's coming. It's a spiritual gifting. And it has to do with Elijah. It says he was, he was a man of God. He just walked with God. He just lived in the presence of God. He just consulted with the Lord. And the Lord would say immediately, as the king would have the conversation, immediately Elijah knew about it. Can I tell you that's possible for you and I? Sometimes I think we often brush those spiritual warnings off as minute or insignificant. Maybe like, you know, I don't know, I just was going to turn that way, but I decided to turn this way. That's just circumstance. Well, you don't know what the enemy had plotted for you. All right. <laughs> if you don't have spiritual foresight, then you find yourself very much like the adversary being taken by surprise. And one thing I've discovered about the enemy is he often doesn't come on with a head-on attack. He's very sneaky on how he likes to attack. He doesn't just usually show up knocking on the front door and just say, hey, by the way, I'm coming to steal from you, right? We, the devil doesn't come wearing, you know, red spandex and a pitchfork, you know, that you see coming. How many of you know that? But your Bible actually says often the enemy of, comes into our life as an angel of light. That's why Listen, that's why sometimes, I don't know why you got laid off from the job, but maybe there was something coming down the pike. You just got to say, you know what? If God moved it out of my life, then he didn't want it in my life. There you go. Come on. Well, I, I don't know why, you know, that, that friend turned on me. I don't know why this situation happened. Listen, if God took it from your life, you don't need it in your life. Come on, somebody. So the enemy will try to catch us when our guard is down. He tries to often catch us with something that seems attractive in the moment. Listen, the enemy also knows our weaknesses. How many of you during the fast would, you know, you woke up and it was like there was an apple on your counter and you were like, oh, Jesus, no. Give me strength, Lord. Keep me close to the cross. For most, it didn't happen. Why? Because the apple wasn't the source of the temptation. So the enemy knows how to tempt us, where to tempt us, what to tempt us with. He doesn't come at you with something that you don't want. He comes at you with the very thing that you want and desire and often the thing that God has put his hand on and said, no, be obedient and don't touch it. Well, God, I, I want a relationship so bad in my life. I want to be married. I want a boyfriend. I want a girlfriend. And God says, no, not yet. It's not the season. You've got some growing to do. You've got some development to do. I've got the perfect one, but they're coming down the road. And the enemy knows the desire. He knows the want. He knows the burden. So what does he do? He brings that Delilah in right at the very moment of your weakness. <laughs> doesn't bring you what you don't want. He brings you what you absolutely want. What he's doing is he's bringing raids into your life. Bringing raids into your life. But if we have spiritual foresight, we'll be able to see, no, no, no. No, this isn't it. Remember Abraham, when God had promised him a son, 
and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen, and it didn't happen. So he said, well, then God must need my help. Had Ishmael, and God said, that's not the one I promised. And caused all kind of destruction in his life. Why? He was tempted with what he wanted. Listen, he was tempted, if you can put your mind around this, he was tempted with what God promised him. Often, it's not even something that's sin, it's just that it's out of season. God promised him a son. So what's wrong with that? No, it's your, it's your word. It's your promise. I know you said that I would have it with my wife, Sarah, but, but it's not happening, so, so, so let, me, let me lend you a hand here. Come on. Often we're used things like, well, doesn't the ends justify the means? No. Because if you got it in your own strength, out of the timing of God, it'll cause destruction in your life. But if you allow and trust God and don't touch it until he releases it into your world, then you can enjoy the benefit of it, the beauty of it, walk in it, enjoy it with the peace and the presence and the promise of God. Come on, the enemy's not dumb. He'll tempt you with what you want. He'll tempt you with the promises of God. So we have to have spiritual foresight where we're not unaware of his schemes. He likes to get us while we're down, while we're tired. He likes to catch us on a raid. But just like Elisha, we have to put up some spiritual defenses in order to be strong in the Lord. When you have spiritual foresight, you will frustrate the enemy. You will frustrate the enemy. I think some people have been living too long, living defensively against the devil. Blind to his strategy. But today I think we need to move to the offensive. See what's coming before it comes. Resist the enemy before it even happens. So the king gets very upset. Let's continue on in our story. Second uh, Kings chapter 6 in verse 11. Then the king of Aram became very upset over this. I guess he would. He called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor? Who has informed the king of Israel of my plans? It is not us, my lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elisha, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, listen to this, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Wow. He's so frustrated. He's turning on his own men. Like, what's going on here? What is happening? And I love that his people are like, listen, it's the man of God. He knows even what you say in secret. I don't know how, but he knows. What's Elisha doing? Just praying, just worshiping, just doing what God says. Come on, somebody. How do we get that? <laughs> Some of that looks like you as a parent having foresight in your children's lives. Come on, any parents have foresight? 
you can see the strategy down the road. And sometimes we got to step in. We got to say no. Think of all of the damage that wasn't done to Israel because Elisha had foresight. Think of it. All the men who were saved because Elisha had foresight. All the lives that were saved. The people around him. When you have foresight, it won't just bless you, it'll bless people around you. So how do we get that foresight? We get it by being in the presence of the Lord. We get it by spending time with God. Listen, I... In Christianity, if you want to really excel in your faith and you want to really be a man or woman of God, you will never, ever, 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 ever get around being in the presence of God and having alone time with Him. You can go to every conference, you can read every self-help devotional book, you can do it all, but it will nothing ever will take the place of you and God alone in a room, in a car, in a shower, somewhere. You communicating with Him, praying to Him worshiping him. It will just never, and I understand the temptation. We are busier than ever. We run faster than ever. We do more than, than ever, right? Like we're just pulled in so many directions, and it's so easy to just fall back and just say, well, you know, but God knows my heart, and he's working, and we got relationship. Listen, if you are not daily, if you're going through it multiple times a day, having time with God, then you're missing out then you're not going to know his voice. You're not going to be able to be like Elisha and hear the strategies that are, are coming against you. And sometimes we just simply need to stop coming to the table expecting the same meal. What I mean by that, sometimes we approach our prayer life out of such a habit. Well, I'm going to read three verses and I'm going to tell God my list of wants. Jesus' name, amen, done. Mix it up. Sit in silence. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to me. Be alone in the room. Get a devotional journal out and just write whatever you're feeling in your heart. You know, sometimes I look back on those things and be like, how did I know that or write that? It will only happen when we are alone with God, when we are in his word, when we're reading the Bible and his word is getting in us. Sometimes it's like, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I don't want to go to that. It just, it just doesn't feel right in me. Many times for me, even in prayer, that's when the Lord will speak to me. Text this person, call that person, do this. Names that I haven't thought of in years will come up. I think that's random. That's the Spirit of God speaking. If you take time to hear from God, God will speak to you. And when He speaks to you, then you can act on it. If we were trying to win the battle on our own strength, we will lose. We will lose every time. Israel won because there was a man in the house who had spiritual foresight. Can I just admonish the men of the house for a minute? Don't put all the spiritual burden on your wives. Well, she's praying for them. She's, she's doing the God thing. Be the priest of your home. 
have some spiritual foresight. Set the standard, set the tone for your house. You gather the family together. You gather the children together. Say, we're going to pray. We're going to read the word of God. You know, we're going to turn that thing off. We, 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 need, we need to do this as a family. And you set that tone. I want to tell you, you will reap out of that more benefits than you can ever even imagine. One of the greatest, the, the, the greatest tragedies in the church is the absence of strong men. Now, listen, you know I believe in women in ministry. I don't just believe in it. I believe for it. You know that about me. I believe they have just the call of God, sometimes doubled and quadrupled and can do more than men can do because the grace that's on their lives and the gifting. But there's something about when a man steps up and leads his home. And it's easy for a man when you have a spiritual wife to say, well, she's got that. She's doing that. No, you stop and pray for your family before they walk out the door. Let your family see your faith in action. Because if they only see it here and not there, that's foresight. When they're older, well, that we, yeah, we went to church, but that's about it. Mom would pray for us sometimes. No, let them see that this is a way of living. This is, this is a spiritual path. This is us communing with God. We do it every day. We do it all the time. Come on, somebody. So we have to get ready to go on the offensive against the adversary. For some of you, he's been raiding you long enough, and today I just want to declare that it's over for you. Number two, we should have spiritual eyesight. Spiritual foresight and spiritual eyesight. We need to see what's coming, but we also need to see what God is doing in the moment what's happening in the now. Because sometimes there's a reality that's greater than what we see in the room. And we've talked about this before, but you know we live in two worlds, two dimensions. The world that we see with our natural eyes and the world we don't see. The Bible talks about that there are angels guarding over us. Everywhere we go, there are angels following us. The Holy Spirit's in the room. Demons, well, I'm not in this room, but in in other rooms. There are two worlds and two realities. We just don't see it. So we also need foresight, but we also sometimes need eyesight to see what is actually happening. To not be swayed to miss what could be happening beyond the dimension that we currently see. That there are greater realities than what's in front of you. Listen, as we continue on in the story, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 13. The king is angry over the prophet Elijah, and he says, Go out and find where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back. Elijah is at Dothan. So that night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. Now, when the servant of the man of God of Elijah woke up the next morning, he went outside, and I just have this picture of him, you know, when you wake up and your eyes aren't quite there, like you're not, takes a minute. Bob, my youngest, has been doing this thing where he's waking up early, just pray for us. And so sometimes it's like four in the morning, and you know, you, you just go out with him on the couch, just whatever, and turn the TV on, that TV is the brightest thing that you have ever seen in your entire life. But you know, when you're just in that moment, you're like, where's the coffee? I can't see. I just picture Elijah's servant 
coming out of his tent, not had his coffee yet, stretching, rubbing his eyes. Uh, We got a problem. (laughs) Scripture goes on and says that next morning when he went outside, he got up early, went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. He runs to Elisha. Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elisha. He's freaking out. What a way to wake up. Have you ever had a situation in your life? What a way to wake up. Yesterday, I was, uh, my wife was taking a nap, and the younger two were taking a nap and trying to be productive. So I thought, let me take the, the older two and or go wash the car. And if you know me, you know I love my 1981 Ford Thunderbird. It's my love. And I know, you know, from the salt in the roads, I said, let me get this thing washed because I don't want the salt to, to cause rust. So let's take it through the car wash. We're going through the car wash. We pay the thing. The arm lifts up. And here we, we go to turn to go into the bay, and it stalls. All right. Not a big deal. It's an 81, you know. Go to start it, and it's starting to turn over, but it won't stop turning over. Oh, <laughs> It's just going, okay. So I turn it off, but it doesn't turn off. I take the key out, and it's still starting. (laughs) And you have that moment. (laughs) Here's the key, (laughs) there's the car, and it's still starting. (laughs) And, um, you know, I'm just, Jesus, help us. You know, Jeremiah's trying to talk to me, and you're like, shut up, shut up. Please, God. (laughs) And... uh, just processing what to do. A car's behind me trying to come in, and you're just like, and if you know me, you know I hate situations like that. Like, let me just run and hide in a bush. And let the... So then I see this little bit of smoke coming up from under the hood because it's trying to turn the engine over and over and over. And that little bit of smoke turns into a whole lot of smoke, like a whole lot of black smoke. And I realize, I mean, the car may be on fire. <laughs> so I yell at the kids, get out, get out of the car, and of course, everybody's running out of the car wash, and I realize I need to disconnect the battery so at least it stops trying to start itself. And I'm screaming at the people, all while Judy is standing beside the car, screaming on top of her lungs of this whole thing, billows of black smoke just, just coming out of the front of the car. So finally, some kid hands me a wrench. I take the thing off, and it stops, but the smoke doesn't. So it may have started fire. I don't know. I yelled for the guy to get the little hose thing from the bay and spray out the engine. We got it towed. We'll get it looked at. Pray for me this week as that report comes back. But I said all that to say, you know, sometimes situations happen in your life that catch you just off guard. And, you know, it's just one of those things, like, I was going to take Jeremiah for his haircut next, and you're sitting there waiting for the tow truck, and you're thinking, what the heck happened? (laughs) Like, I had to call Sarah and wake her up, and she's like, why are you trying to take your car to the car? And I said, I apologize later. I said, would you shut up and get in the van and get here and get me? <laughs> because this is, you know, I did apologize. But, but you're just in those moments like, I was just trying to wash the car. And I have a fire. And it's like, you know, it's, it's traumatic. <sighs> Sometimes I just, it's therapeutic for me to tell you about my life. <laughs> but I have not lost confidence in my 1981 Ford Thunderbird. I have faith that it's going to turn around and it's going to be okay. 
But I'll tell you, when situations pop up in your life that are unexpected, you got to know what to do. Don't wait until the rain starts falling. Don't wait until the storm is already at your door to try to make preparation. My foresight was getting AAA like years ago. But as believers, we do that. We just try to coast through, and then the next thing happens, and we're just frantic, caught off guard. What do we do? What happens? Versus, I'm never letting my guard down. I'm always on the lookout. I'm always waiting for the next scheme to try to come against me. And when it does, I'm ready. I've, I'm prayed up. I'm worshiped up. I'm, a, I'm forgiven up. I've forgiven everybody that I can forgive. I, I've repented from everything I can repent from. I'm getting the sin out of my life. So when the storm comes knocking at my door, I, I don't have to turn around and say, well, you know, I, I, I probably need to get my heart right. I need to forgive this person. I need to respond to that. I need to do. No, no, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm like Elisha. Come on, come on. What do you got? And that's, the, that's this servant, man. He, he, he's looking at this situation and his confidence drops. Like his heart drops. He's frantic. He's gripped by fear. He's controlled by fear. But when you have spiritual sight, it'll cause you to see beyond what you see and know beyond what you know. Actually, there's, I used to like to preach when I was younger a lot about the eagle. And one of the things that I discovered about the eagle is one of the aspects of an eagle that is, is different than most other birds is they have this lens that can come over their eyes that will allow them to fly directly into the sun. And that's a gifting for them because their adversaries who would be pursuing them can't do that. So when they're looking for the eagle, they've lost sight of it. Why? Because this eagle has special sight that allows them to go directly into the light. Do I need to remind you of Psalm 91, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High? What does that mean? It means that you're hidden and can't be found. It means that when the adversary comes knocking, he's like, I know they were here a minute ago and now they're gone. Why? Because you have spiritual sight that you can fly into the sun and lose every adversary that's after you. Why? You have the ability to see beyond what you see. Listen to this. What does Elisha say? Don't be afraid. How can Elisha tell him not to be afraid? He's not wrong in the fact that there's an army outside. Listen, faith is not denial of facts. Faith is understanding the facts, but understanding there's a greater reality beyond facts. Why? Because Elisha doesn't see one army. Oh man, if we got this. Elisha doesn't see one army. He has spiritual sight. So though there is an army, and it's big, though there is some chariots, and they're scary, Though they are surrounded on every side and there's absolutely no way for them to escape. Amen. Elisha doesn't get caught up by what he can see. I hope this is turning in you like it's turning in me. He doesn't get caught up in what he sees. Listen, 2 Kings 6.16, don't be afraid, Elisha told him. 
for there are more on our side than it's on their side. We'll just stop there for a minute. This servant, Elisha's lost his mind. What do you mean? It's me and you and all of them and me and you. I knew I should have taken the other internship. I knew, I knew, they, they told me from the top that this guy was a little, I knew this Holy Ghost filled church stuff was going to get me in some sticky situations. I knew when I signed up to be a God follower, uh, why couldn't they just do a nice quiet mass and bless me and sprinkle some incense and send me on my way? Why do they got to push me into these faith things and to believe things? Why am I here? Don't you understand that all hell is surrounding me? Don't you understand that things don't look good and the reports are bad? Don't be afraid. I'm preaching to somebody. There are more on our side than on theirs. Well, I, I don't know how I'm going to make it through financially. I don't know how this is going to turn around. Don't be afraid. There's more on our side than on theirs. But you don't understand what the doctor just said. And, and he gave me this note, and they're going to do this test. Don't be afraid. There's more on our side. See, your problem is if you only see one army, then you're already failing. So here's what Elisha did. Then Elisha prayed. Oh, Lord. Open his eyes and let him see. Father, would you open our eyes and would you let us see? And the Lord opened the young man's eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Do you know what he got? He got the ability of having spiritual sight. He went from seeing one army that was surrounding an array around them to God opened his eyes and he realized that beyond what he could see, there was a whole nother army that was bigger, greater, and grander surrounding them. He didn't just see one army, he saw two armies. I understand the attack against you might be significant and it might be scary, but don't be afraid because you're going to look beyond what you see and you're going to see what God sees. How awesome is that? Can you imagine the confidence in that servant? The difference that spiritual sight can make in your life? When you have the ability to look beyond circumstances that are in front of you and to see what God's doing in your life? That's incredible. That's when faith comes into the situation. That's when power comes into the situation. Uh, we talked about uh, a few months ago. That's when you can look at the plans of the adversary and say, anybody remember? Ha ha. Ha ha. That's when you wake up in the morning, you brush the sleep out of your eyes, and you look up and you realize, is that my car on fire? Ha <laughs> 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 ha. In your world, it might be something different. <laughs> but, I, but, you know, is that, is that my kids acting out? Is that my marriage looking like it's on the rocks? Is, is that the economy being unstable? What? <laughs> because I'm not just looking at what I see. I have spiritual eyes to see beyond what I see. Come on, church, if we get this. There is the angel of the Lord that encamps 
around those who fear him, the Bible says. If you get anything today, I want you to remember this. Get spiritual sight to see beyond what you see. I know it doesn't look like they will ever come to the saving knowledge of the gospel. I know it looks like they will be the last person on earth to ever accept Jesus Christ, and you've been believing and praying, and it just seems like it's never going to happen. But you've got to learn to see beyond what you see. You've got to learn to see that there, God, you know, there might be some devils and things and, and histories and addictions all around that person and tracking them down. But every time you open up your mouth and you pray for them, every time you open up the word and quote the scriptures over them, you're sending angels around them. You're sending laborers into the harvest field around them. So now greater are those that are around them. And you don't know what their day's looking like. You don't know what dreams they're having. You don't know how God's talking in their heart when they're alone in the car. You don't know what's going on. But what you got to learn is I got to see beyond what I see. I got to see beyond what I see. There's something else happening in the room. I just feel that for our church. There's something else happening in the room. There's life beyond this. There's an essence of God doing something greater than we can see in the natural. Story goes on, verse 18. I am closing. As the Armenian army advanced towards him, Elisha prayed, O Lord, please make them blind. So the Lord struck them with blindness, as Elijah had asked. Team, you can come. I know we look at people in stories like this, like Elisha, and say, but this is Elisha. It's Elisha. Well, of course he could pray. You know, the anointing came on Elisha from Elijah when Elijah went up in the chariot and the anointing came on him. But you know what? Elisha didn't have it would come on him at times for significant things he didn't have the Holy Spirit as we do the Holy Spirit would come on him from time to time for unique purposes but the Bible says that when Jesus died on a cross, he ascended up into heaven and did a tag team handoff with the Holy Spirit. And that's what he told his disciples. He said, I'm going to the Father, but it's better that you go down here because he can do more for you because he's everywhere. He can empower you. He'll embolden you. He'll start a fire on the inside of you. He'll let you see what you can't see, let you know what you don't know. I just want to prophesy that. You're going to know what you don't know. I know it's beyond my education level, but I just got a knowing in my spirit. Come on, somebody. So all that Elisha did is great and grand. But when we accept Jesus, we're actually receiving the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. Then he said there's a second baptism where you can ask the Holy Spirit to come and infill you and bring all of his giftings on the inside of you. That's what we walk around with. Men of the Old Testament would look at the New Testament church and say, my gosh, what we could do if we had what they have. So Elisha prays and says, Lord, make them blind. 
we just got to change our way of thinking. David goes into a valley, and he finds his brothers hidden in fear because of Goliath. But David could see beyond what he could see. He knew beyond what he knew. And why his brothers hid in fear and the armies hid in fear, David had a different understanding. He walked into the valley and said, if God put me in the valley and the giant in the valley, then surely one of us is going to die. Because it's the natural result if two are in a valley coming to battle, one's never getting up again. But the fact that David knew God brought him to the valley. He saw beyond what he saw. He could see beyond what he could see. And he said, if God put me in front of this giant, then surely it is the Lord's will that this giant come down and never get up again. Because as for me, I'll walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but it won't touch me. A thousand can fall at my left hand and 10,000 at my right hand, but it won't come near me. So if I find myself in a valley of unexpected giants, then I got to see beyond what I see and know something a little different, that if I'm here in front of the giant, it means that God put me on an assignment to bring that giant down. That it's been my mission to bring sickness down and cancer down and drug addiction down. Whatever it is that is arrayed against you. If you're there in front of it, see beyond what you see. You are not helpless. You are not hopeless. You are not there by accident. You are there because God saw something in you and said, this one right here, this is a giant slayer. I can trust them to bring that giant down. I can let them stand on my word and there have the boldness and strength to look at Goliath in the face and say, who are you to array yourself against the children of God? Who are you? I know who I am. So stop looking at life like it was unleashed on you. Start, stop looking at the circumstances and say, I don't know how all this happened to me. And start looking at it like I got unleashed on the devil. I got up this morning threw the covers off me and all hell went running the opposite direction. I told you this before, I was years ago going into a restaurant with somebody and they had one of the little Buddha, Chinese restaurant Buddha statues. And they said, I'm not, <laughs> pastor, I'm not going to go in there. They probably got demons, devils, and they might. But I'm going in. And greater it's he that's in me than he that's in the world. So I'm going to go in there, I'm going to get myself some Chinese and when I walk through those doors, every devil in hell is going to see that I'm coming and run the opposite direction screaming because I see beyond what I see. I know beyond what I know. Come on, somebody. And number three, spiritual victory comes when you have spiritual insight, spiritual foreknowledge, spiritual sight, and supernatural insight. Insight is the ability to see what needs to happen in a given moment to see past circumstance. Listen to this. Then Elisha went out and told them, you have come the wrong way. Because remember, they're blind. 
this isn't the right city. Follow me, and I will take you to the man you're looking for. They're looking for him. <laughs> They're looking for him. It reminds me of when they went to throw Jesus off the bow of the hill, and it says he just passed through the midst of them. Like all eyes are on him, but they don't see him. Lord, hide us. He said, I'll take you to the man you're looking for. And he led them to the city of Samaria. And as soon as they had entered the city, entered Samaria, Elisha prayed, O Lord, now open their eyes and let them see. And the Lord opened their eyes and they discovered that they were in the middle of Samaria. And when the king of Samaria saw them, he shouted to Elijah, My father, should I kill them? Should I kill them? Here was an adversary that had been raiding them, torturing them, tormenting them. They're disarmed. They're in a vulnerable place. And instantly this king who isn't walking close with God isn't a godly person, says, should I do the obvious thing? When there are the raiders in front of me, should we, they're disarmed, shouldn't we just kill them? It just looks obvious, right? What does that say? That says to me that if you're not walking close with God, you're going to make wrong decisions because sometimes even the obvious thing is wrong. Like, it's obvious this is what you do. So, Elisha responds in verse 22, Of course not, Elisha replied. Do we kill prisoners of war? He says, give them food and drink and send them home again to their master. Wow. So the king made a great feast for them and sent them home to their master. Now listen to this. After that, the Armenian raiders stayed away from the land of Israel. Supernatural wisdom. Think of the lives that were saved when the king said, let's just slay them all. But Elisha had supernatural wisdom. And he said, no, a meal. Make them a meal. Now our enemies won't be our enemies, but at least they'll be at peace with us. And I'll never see that enemy again. A small, tangible act of kindness turned an entire nation. When the logical thing is pull out the swords and let's slay. See, that's the importance of having supernatural sight. To see beyond what we can see, to know beyond what we can know. This story to me seems like a lackluster ending. Like, oh. I was there with the king, I'm ready. You're smart, Elijah. You got him blind and then led him right into captivity. Watch this. A meal? And send them home? Wow. But thousands of lives were saved. 
an enemy is now at peace with them. So my prayer for us today as a church, and that's the thing, God never does the same thing twice. There are other stories in the Bible where God said, go in and take the city, which meant kill them all. Is that God does nothing the same each time. And that's why we got to be so close. That's why we got to know his voice. That's why we got to be so near. That's why even the smallest thing, Father, what is it that you would have me do today? Father, how should I respond to that person? Lord, would you speak to me? Would you, would you, would you speak to me? Would you tell me? Would you give me eyes to see? Would you give me wisdom? You will never get it unless you're alone with him. So let's stand to our feet. Father, I pray right now for any person who's in the room and they feel like they're surrounded on every side. It feels like the attack's been heavy. It's been severe. It feels like their situation is helpless and hopeless. It feels like they've been overcome by their adversaries. Maybe they feel like that, that Sir Elijah's servant who ran out and they opened their eyes and they're like, what happened? What are we going to do? I pray today that you would give us spiritual eyes to see beyond what we see. To know what only the Holy Spirit knows. To respond in obedience every time. Even when it doesn't make sense and even when it's hard. Even when it means showing mercy and compassion to those who have raided against us. Let us see, let us know, let us hear.